Welcome back to Vox Podcast, the weekly pseudo-academic rock table of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-host. Only one co-host showed up for this topic. I'm sad. Katya. Hey, Katya. How's it going? Explosions! Cars go fast! Boom! Times! It's good. Okay. Yes! Okay, so <laughs> no, no, you're excited for a good reason. You're excited for a good I'm reason. I'm excited for a good reason. There are, however, a surprising and upsetting lack of sea monsters in this week episode. <laughs> I'm offended. Why do you hate me, Mav? I'm not convinced that there aren't going to be sea monsters in the next one. Um, there, there, there are very- sea monsters. <laughs> I am, I am. It will be the first movie I drag myself to a full theater for because I cannot be bothered. I okay. don't like people. Okay, so for, for for the listener <laughs> today, and this is why um, neither Hannah nor Wayne bothered to show up because they think this is stupid and they are wrong. Um, today we are discussing the movie Fast and Furious or Fast. And I need to correct you, Mav. It's, it is stupid, but that is why it's glorious. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about that. They, <laughs> they, could, they could not be bothered to watch any. In fact, I think they both said neither of them had seen any of the Fast and Furious movies, <sighs> much less the most recent one, which just came out last week, which it's I saw cute. in theaters. It was my return to theaters. That's the first time. Well, actually, so no, I did see one movie in theaters last year when we rented out of theaters and did the private thing. But this was a, a public theater that I was actually at, you know, with people. And I was excited. Everybody was vaccinated. And I got to watch Fast and Furious on the big screen the way it was meant to be seen. Fast 9. Um, Katya, have you seen it yet? One, unfortunately. <laughs> I just, I don't believe in going outside anymore. And I'm suspicious of crowds. Yeah, well, this Which problem. to be fair, it was true before the pandemic. <laughs> All right. Well, so you haven't seen it, but I know somebody who has. So I have once again invited back our, our now good friend because it's been literally a week since she was on last time. <laughs> Monica Giraffo. Hey, Monica. Hi. <laughs> so you've seen this movie. I have seen all of these movies. <laughs> See, this is going to be exciting because um because we're going to talk about are they good? Are they bad? We're going to talk about this movie in particular, but also just the culture around the world of Fast and Furious. You know, the Fast and Furious world, if it were. I, I think there's a lot more to it. Um, And I was writing about this. I was like, well, I love this movie. And people were like, but you hate bad movies. And it's like, I don't actually hate bad movies. I'm hard on some movies that a lot of people like. Like, I was very hard on on um the Zack Snyder DC movies because they're horrible. And I'm very hard on the Transformers movies. And they're like, but this movie's bad. And I'm like, no, this so movie is by a bad movie. Yeah. And we're going to get into that a little bit because I don't think it's just the bad but- movie. I think I think I think I think that um, for instance, Zack Snyder movies were painful for me to watch. That's why I didn't like them, because I watched them and I felt like I wanted to hurt myself while watching. It's like this is bad for me. Literally bad. I don't want to be here. I don't feel that way about Fast and Furious. That's why I want to talk about it. I think there's more to it than I, I think it's not simple. Is that fair? More importantly, we have a new person on our show. Oh, yeah. So, Monica, you were here like five weeks ago and then you were here last week and you're here this week. Yep. So you want to just stay forever? Yep. Okay. So, so Monica is no longer a guest for the show. She is um, now our, our, I guess, our fifth co-host. Or I'm counting. Yeah, I'd say five because because you're certain you're, you're going to be the fifth regular. Uh, probably Josh and Steph count as a regular combined. Like a, a host combined. Yeah, between yeah. the two of them. <laughs> they're 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 they're, uh, they're honoraries, but they're they're both usually here only under under 
under duress. So, but you seem to want to be here. So, so welcome to the show. Hey, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like audience, don't tell her she didn't actually win anything. You know, <laughs> like, like you won, but you, you get to talk to it's us just, every it's week. Just, it's just like a, you know, you won. It's just, it's, it's a thing where the points don't matter and it's all made up. <laughs> Much like culture itself. Yes. So we saw Fast and Furious, or at least two of us did. Katya, first, like, what have you seen? Because you said you, you've seen some of them. I mean, I was trying to figure this out earlier today. I have no idea. Because <laughs> I think I've seen a little bit more than half of them. But I'm honestly, I've seen the first, I think, three. And I know mm-hmm. I've seen a few of the later ones after the post, the post movie five, which there's a break there that mm-hmm. Mav and uh, Monica were discussing that probably we'll get into. Mm-hmm. I've seen, I, I, I'm not really sure which ones, though, because they all kind of become the same movie. And that is not a criticism. Oh, that's totally fair. Uh, <laughs> because, okay, regular listeners of the show will know that every time we do a box office show, I will pick anything that is Godzilla or Godzilla adjacent because I like movies where cities get crushed. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I uh, am 12. So I enjoy movies with explosions, fast cars, you know, actiony things. And I like, I occasionally like a movie where I can turn my brain off. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great, which is why I was asking a little bit ago. It's like, what do we mean by good? Because I would actually agree with you mm-hmm. that many of the movies you listed, I also have like, I, I don't, I'm not really into like pretty much any Michael Bay movie. Yeah, I like but, some Michael Bay. I like some Michael Bay and I like some Zack Snyder. Not those. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. But Fast and Furious, okay, the thing I love about Fast and Furious is I I actually don't agree that it's bad. I think it's just, it is, like we've talked about the show before, I think it succeeds at what it's trying to be, which to me is just like the unironic joy in kind of dumb action movies. <laughs> it's, which is exactly what I love about it because that's that I love those kinds of movies you know it's lovely it's, it's, just, it's very self aware uh huh yes yeah. everyone true. who's not Vin Diesel like yes. they know what they've gotten <laughs> themselves into that's the key part that's the key part because because I, I mostly agree with Katya I have heard several reviews in the last week since I've seen this movie like people were complaining that the movie that Fast Nine gets bogged down because. You keep getting into these absolutely ridiculous action sequences. Physics don't matter in Fast and Furious. Nothing matters in Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious has a has a rule for the last uh, since about since about seven and six. It only applied to Vin Diesel. But since about movie seven, it doesn't matter how high how high you fall from. Long as you land on a car, you're fine. Right. Like, like that, 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 that is a, that is a rule, not, that is not a rule of the world. Fine. But like, yeah. I, I feel the need to bring this up, like as the like the person who works in costuming, but like that white t-shirt yeah. is pristine. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. not just like you're, you're kind of okay. But no, like, no, yeah, you're fine. You're yeah, yeah. untouched. Yeah, like landing on a car means you're okay. <laughs> you know, so you can catch somebody with a car and it really doesn't matter how fast they were going or where they fell from. That's a rule of their world. And that's ridiculous, right? And I get that's ridiculous. And I think for the most part, because there was a point where people were complaining about this movie is stupid and critics, but like since about movie five, the critics have sort of been on board. They're like, okay, big, dumb fun in a good way. Let's just turn on our off our brains and, and get and get with this. And then the stakes get more and more ridiculous every time. Like they they develop more and more superpowers. It's, you know, the movies 
like bonkers. And then people have been like, well, but the problem with it is every time something ridiculous is about to happen, we're about to drive a car into space. Yes, that does happen in this movie. Oh, yeah. Spoilers for Fast 9. Um, we're, we're going we're going crazy on this one. Um, but um, like they'll decide something like we're going to drive a car into space because that's a thing we can do now. And <laughs> and and that's I part of it. it. Yeah. But then they are like, wait a minute. Every, we need to slow down this movie and we're going to have a good 15 minutes of solid human drama about the Toretto family starring Vin Diesel where he has some pathos and and and, and Vin and Vin's going to have an emotional moment. <laughs> and, and people were complaining about that. They're like, get Vin Diesel out of these movies and let the I, I saw several reviews that are basically get Vin Easy. Diesel out of the way and let these movies be the craziness that they want to be because he's slowing down the film and see, I think these people are all wrong. Vin Diesel is not a bug. Vin Diesel is a feature because you're I, right. I, yeah, because Vin Diesel. Okay, I think you talked about that on the yeah. on the post. But Vin Diesel is a true believer. Yes, in what he's doing. Yes, and that is, I think, part of the like. Okay, he's so I have precious never and pure. Referred to a action movie, any other action movie series as charming. Mm-hmm. Fast and Furious, I think, is actually charming because Vin Diesel. Like, okay, Vin Diesel. I I can't say I know him personally. Obviously, I don't even follow him that much. But I have seen him play D and D, and based off of his the, the recordings of him, his play. D and D, which by the way is how he learned acting. Mm-hmm. He is just a delightful little nerd. Yeah, he is. And I feel like that really shines through with the Fast and Furious things. So like this is the movie made by delightful little nerds for delightful little, little nerds. I don't care that he can like crush vehicles with his yeah. hands. Yeah, he's a delightful it, little nerd who looks like he can bench press a truck. Yeah, it's, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> like it just brings me un, it just brings me like un, unmitigated joy for reasons I can't entirely understand. I mean, even from a plot perspective, like I was actually pretty happy mm-hmm. with all of the flashback sequences because they looked aesthetically like the first film. Like yeah. we, we got back to sort of like the very bare bones, just like street racing, yeah. which is what got everybody into this in the first place in a way that like it was plot driven fan service that actually yeah. worked significantly better than trying to explain the seven angles to which Han didn't die. Like it actually serves the plot much more. Do you know what's do you know what's great about the flashbacks and the, so there's a there's a there are several extended flashback sequences and in those extended flashback sequences you meet Dom you meet young Dom Toretto played by um a dude who looked to be about three or four inches taller than Vin Diesel um <laughs> you know but it's, but it's supposed to be eighteen yeah. and then you've got you got eighteen year old eighteen year old Vin Diesel Dom Toretto and then you have his brother uh who's supposed to be John Cena um played by a guy who's a good foot shorter than John Cena. You know, he grew because, you know, sure, he was 16 and now he's, you know, 45. So, yeah, he got a foot taller. That happens. <laughs> yeah. um, and Did then you he- also spend the whole time being like, that's the kid from Peaky Blinders? Because I yeah. just couldn't no. get rid of it the whole time <laughs> no for me for me what it was is okay you've got there those two and those two are the are the focus of all these flashbacks and there's four or five of them at least throughout the movie but every time you have a flashback they will meet other characters some of whom have lines and some of whom are just in the crowd and it is 100% completely clear to me who each and every one of these characters are the girl who starts the race is Letty and you know and you watch it and you're like oh okay that girl's supposed to be 
Letty. The girl who's standing on the sideline is Mia. I, I got it. Like, like they, 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 they captured the essence. There's so much attention to detail with just slight little casting, oh, yeah. wardrobe, and hair choices. Great. <laughs> you know exactly Honestly. who each person is, and I'm, and I'm like 100 into this. And yeah, and they don't have superpowers because, um, because the world is acknowledging that they have developed like, like they're in the first movie, uh, the first Fast and the Furious movie. The exciting moment of drama is: Do you know when to press the NOS button on your car or not? That's like that's like it. Like you know, don't push it so too early because you'll lose the race. You'll you'll burn out all your fuel, and that's like a moment of drama in Fast and Furious One. Now they're driving to space by nine, but in the flashbacks, they're still concerned about when do you push the button. It's yeah. adorable. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. Um, and I and I love that about it, and I love that Vin Diesel really believes like because when they were saying we need to get him out of the movie because it's slowing it down it's like no it's what makes it work these movies work for me because they are crazy action fest that that Vin Diesel thinks he's shooting Shakespeare and, <laughs> and he and he honestly believes that and that's the only like he honestly believes that this is the finest most important human drama ever put to the page and that sincerity that utter sincerity makes the films work for me like it is it, 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 yeah. he's Shakespeare in the tradition of like Shakespeare inventing pretty much every dick joke and joke in existence. Yeah. <laughs> Right, but, but he's not trying to no, it's true yeah. like Shakespeare as literature is like yeah. it's very lewd that's like the right. point no, it's, well, it's like Shakespeare is all about the combination of highbrow and lowbrow mm-hmm. I'm not really sure how much Fast and Furious gets into highbrow but but Vin believes he's totally highbrow and he honestly, be, yeah, and he's I'm the only cool one yeah. well, okay this is actually that's actually an interesting point because I think okay having been the person who studies science fiction and trash literature throughout history well the last two centuries uh the interesting thing is it's it would be interesting to know how people respond to Fast and Furious movies 100 years from now because mm-hmm. a lot of the things we think of as highbrow now right were right. not considered highbrow 100 years ago so the fact like you're talking about all of the attention to detail these callbacks and like recreating the like early the the sort of like image of the earlier movies at some point someone might be like yes that is highbrow and yeah. that's not and some people uh purists who are boring um might say it's like oh that's a sign of the degradation of art and of the medium it's like no it's just things have changed and also we've learned to appreciate things differently the continuity is- of these is so tight. Like it is, mm-hmm. even even though they like. So this series started with a bunch of guys doing a high. Yeah, well, yeah, well, but I mean, the series started with a bunch of guys doing a heist to steal some DVD players, and now they're international spies flying <laughs> to space. Like that. Like and the and the progression is logical. And like so, in that first in the first Fast and Furious movie, you learn that Dom did some time in jail for um for flipping out and attacking a guy with a wrench. And it seems it always seemed out of character for him because he's really just a big family man so now eight movies later we actually got to see him attack the guy with the wrench and you see oh well it was about family of course it was like like, like they they had to nobody cared about that that one offhanded comment that he made eight movies ago but they had to tie it together it had to it had to be logically consistent. Like, there's a point in this movie where Ludacris and Tyrese, because yeah, I realize their characters' names are, are Taj and Roman. It doesn't matter. They're Ludacris and Tyrese. They're like the, the actors and the, and the characters are mostly indistinguishable. There's a point where they spend a good two solid minutes just discussing the last movie. You know, like you would do. 
I, so I also, when I say that I'm a huge fan, I am mm-hmm. a huge fan as of quarantine. Like my quarantine hobby was to watch all of these films consecutively hey. and live tweet them with my mother because my mother okay. is a giant fan. Um, and, you know, locked down in the house together, she was like, you're going to need to sit and appreciate these cinematic masterpieces. And, <laughs> and so we did. We sat and watched them. <laughs> we sat and watched them in order and and when you talk about the highbrow lowbrow like the thing that attracted me to them initially was like the amount of von dutch t-shirts happening in this movie from the early 2000s like <laughs> it was the amount of lowbrow that was just so completely like owned it wasn't trying to it wasn't trying to be a movie in space it was trying to be a time capsule to the 2000s like <laughs> um and so watching all of them in order so closely yeah there never is a moment where you get confused except for like the secret baby in fast eight i feel like for me fast nine like really corrects like course corrects the entire franchise which is why i loved it so much fast eight the fact that she has a baby like the timeline is kind of how long was she pregnant for like 16 months probably the first half hour of that movie trying to be like where did how when pregnant baby Yeah, I mean, and and there's some there's some goofiness that happens. Um, so I don't know if Katya knows this. The, the third Fast and Furious movie, Tokyo Drift, um, what was supposed to be Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, um, for the most part, has none of the original cast in it. Vin Diesel shows up in the last thirty seconds. Like, is it is it even thirty seconds? It's no, like, it, it's it's yeah, it's, it's the like absolute right final the minute of the film. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's there thirty seconds max at, at the end, maybe only fifteen. Um, for the most part it's an entirely new cast um, and it fails at the box office. It does horribly. Like no one like, so then they bring back everybody for part four, um, but they want to kind of keep, some of the mythology that was happening in part three. So they do a complicated lore trick and like they make Fast and Furious. Um, They retroactively decide that it was four years into the future. So Fast and Furious three happens and then they have four, five and six to get to the point of Fast and Furious three and then insert it into the chronology. So they build toward. So they basically do like. It was. And it's like, it, but it's like, like, you know how like Star Wars starts with four, five and six and then one, right. two and three are supposed to build into it and they do poorly because you, like you figure out, wait, how, how does Darth Vader not know he has kids? Where's the Luke? Where, where, like so much. Uh, there's like so many like holes. This is really tight. Yeah, they actually did a like, job. What we're about. talking about is like the Vin, Vin Diesel sort of like fanboyish nature about his own project kind of mm-hmm. was, was is what makes it is because like that shows that they care so much. And I think that's what I, I, I mean, I think that's what why I say like it's the only like movie franchise of this kind I could use the term endearing and it feels right is because there is something endearing about how much care goes into this movie that like every like every other like goofy action movie of this nature, I feel like people just put together because they know it will make because it's a fun movie and they know it will make money and like not to say that they don't care, but the level of detail is not going into it. Mm-hmm. And it actually, and I mean, okay, this is very different, but it actually kind of reminds me of like the old, like old school Godzilla movies mm-hmm. of like, they were hokey and weird, but like the lore, like the lore and like the goofiness was part of the point. And it was yes. very like, 
that's what made them cult classics. I mean, that's the other thing is it's like maybe comparing Fast and Furious to other action movies isn't quite right. It should be compared to other, regardless of genre, weird cult classic movies, right? Like Big Trouble in Little China is like, objectively, is it a great movie? No, but it's fun. (laughs) I talked about the space thing. And this is like, you you mentioned having, you know, paying attention to the fans. There's no good reason for them to go to space in this, in in part nine. Um, The reason they went to space is because for the last four or five years, all the fans have been like online have been like sooner or later they're just going to have to drive to space because they're going to run out of stuff to do they're going to have to drive to space so they constructed the movie around (laughs) giving them a reason to drive to space and they could have just driven to space but no 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 again because of this nerd attention to detail it's not a there's not a good reason for them to do it but they try to make it plausible that they did like (laughs) like they're like the the tokyo drift guys for you remember i said those the guys who were in that third movie that were an entirely new cast um for the apparently for the last three movies, the Tokyo Drift guys have been like doing rocket science experimentally to see if they could make a rocket car, um, which conveniently they needed a rocket car later so they could drive to space. And like you find that out earlier in the movie. It's a callback. It It's seriously there's no good reason to do it other than the fans really, really wanted it. And like you almost you all but have Lil Bow Wow come, who's in this movie um, uh, say, look, we're doing this for you guys. <laughs> Love it. I love it. Yeah, it's so delightful. I, I, I don't see why I, I I don't see why Wayne and Hannah are not behind them. Because um, they don't like joy. They don't like joy. Yeah, That's the problem. Apparently. I think it's because the the trailers and the films are just two entirely different impressions. Like, you don't true. understand that the amount that's being like like fan service can be a really great thing because it shows that people care. But if you're not a mm-hmm. fan, fan service means nothing right. to you. Katya, I have to tell you something. This movie, yes. so um, Tyrese is a character in this movie. Um, again, right. well, I'm sorry. Tyrese yeah. is an actor in this movie. Roman is a character in this movie. But again, yeah. I, I, I tend to forget their character names. So Tyrese is in this movie and he spends this entire movie wondering if he is a is if he's an action superhero. Like, out loud. Oh okay, I have to watch it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, there's a, there a point where he is being chased by bad guys very, very early on in the movie. He's being chased he's almost captured and he knows that the bad guys he falls into a pit he knows the bad okay. guys are coming are coming to get him and he's like well you know i'm not gonna go out like a punk i'm gonna die here so he takes his machine gun and as the bad guys come after him he just starts you know ramboing it you know he, he's he's spinning around just firing um at everything that moves because it's he's outnumbered like 15 to 1 and he wins and then he's like he's for a moment he's like holy shit i'm still alive i'm the luckiest man ever and then he's like he's just like he just starts thinking about it and he pats himself down and he realizes he's not been hit how how is this possible and he looks and his clothes have bullet holes in them and then he spends the rest of the movie going this doesn't make any sense how are we all still alive we should be dead none of this makes sense i think we're invincible and they're like this is stupid and he's he's just he's he's just just shy of realizing he's in a movie yeah I <laughs> love it. it's so great yes <laughs> Because he knows he's he knows he's in a ridiculous movie, and Ludacris knows he's in a ridiculous movie. Um, Charlize Theron absolutely knows she's in a ridiculous movie, and does not does not give a Which fuck. It's very much something that happens in a lot of cult classic films, mm-hmm. where like there's the self aware. I mean, even like I I forget the exact lines, but there's some joke. There's like some moments in Princess Bride where it's like yes. breaking the breaking the fourth mm-hmm. wall. 
turning the camera. And like, and not to say that that's exclusive to, to like other cult classes. I mean, also oddly, uh, feels like a very Shakespearean move. Um, someone's gonna give us a one star review for they, they they compare Shakespeare to the best. <laughs> Uh, give us a five star review because there's more coming. I'm I'm gonna make a pitch for a mo- in a moment for this is the, mo- the most important racial movie of our time. <laughs> Interesting. I'm here for it. Um, I forgot what I was gonna say because that statement just went <laughs> brain. Uh, okay, Mav, why is this the most important racial film of our time? No, I'm not ready for that yet. Um, um, okay, okay, we're not I'll ready. Throw, I'll yeah. throw something in there. Okay. So when you arrive at LAX, um, mm-hmm. there is a giant poster for Universal. Studios. And on that giant poster, because there is a sort of section of the, the backlot studio tour that is a Fast and Furious ride, um, there okay. is a picture of Vin Diesel. And he is holding on to the arms of a plane with his own arms. So, so awesome. the plane <laughs> is also the wingspan of Vin Diesel's wingspan. And having okay. never seen these films arriving in L.A. for the very first time, <laughs> I was like, this is ridiculous. But after having seen these movies, I'm like, yes, Vin Diesel can straddle a plane with his wingspan <laughs> because it just it just fits like something mm-hmm. about the excessiveness and not questioning the excessiveness in the in the same way that like he he is only marginally not aware of his like existence within this film like it all is still okay like that is within Vin Diesel's power and that is within your suspension of disbelief as a viewer to view it within Vin Diesel's power I'm watching this movie I I went with my wife um, definitely went with me um, and I was surprised um, because she doesn't normally care for like she doesn't she's seen maybe one or two of these before and she was like and I was like I'm gonna go see this especially because I want to do an episode of the show on it and she's like I'll go. And I was like, really? You will? And she's like, we haven't left the house in two years. So, yes. She was like, she, she, I mean, it, was, it was literally like, she's like, you want to go out to a place? Like, you know, we'll go, we'll, we'll, we'll pay money and sit in air conditioning, maybe buy a drink or something. You, this, this sounds exciting. And, and, and again, Steph's not here today, but I think she will, she will agree. This was absolutely the best movie she'd seen in a theater in a year. So, yeah, <laughs> without a doubt. Um, because it was lack of options. It was a low bar. But she, and she'll say that she, that she thought, this is stupid. She spent a lot of time on the movie going, this is so stupid. And I was like, yes, it is. But every time I, every time I looked over at her, she was just laughing joyously. And she'll, and, and it was just, it, cause yeah. there, there is, it is ridiculous, right? There are parts where, um, Vin Diesel at one point in this movie collapses a cave on top of himself on purpose. <laughs> he just pulls on some chains and he with destroys his bare arms. Yeah, it just, and he and he just he just uses Herculean strength to um, after after barehandedly killing thirty you know secret agent ninjas. Um, he you know then there's more ninjas coming, so he just collapses the walls upon himself and just, he takes upon himself. I'm going to sacrifice myself so that my team can live, and he collapses this cave upon himself um, into and falls a hundred feet doesn't land on a car so you think he's gonna die he lands like in the water that's beneath the cave apparently you know cuz and he's having that end of life flashback and then his wife jumps in and saves him and then five minutes later he's just okay he's like oh thank you for saving me from this you know wall collapse that nap that, was you know, great yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, it's and, and so there's there's ridiculous and stuff's like why why this makes no sense and I was like it makes sense because like Vin wanted us to 
see how much how much um, uh, Dominic loves his family. Dom was willing to sacrifice himself for family. He's got to do that every movie. So that's the scene in this movie where he's willing to sacrifice himself for family. And it was an emotional beat because the movie needed an emotional beat because that's the story that Vin wants to tell. And you have to you have to appreciate that so that you can appreciate the fact that he's about to um, make a car repel. Like, <laughs> like he's going to go repelling with a car. <laughs> and, 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 and that doesn't, like, you need both of these to work. And then what, and then after all of that, then you get to have Dame Helen Mirren show up in this film. It, uh, 70, 80, however old she is. And then just decide that she's going to be the world's greatest stunt driver. And you oh, buy it. Yes, <laughs> and also... <laughs> Because we choose joy. <laughs> and the the very uh, convenient narrative uh, selection as to like how magnets work or when they work or, or what they stick to. Because the entire plot of this film is we've stolen a big magnet and we're yeah. going to use that big magnet to attach it to our cars. Yes. <laughs> and, and sometimes that pulls an entire car horizontally through a building that happens to have I don't know, like not a single structural beam in the center of the building that might stop that car. Like by a, you just by don't durability, need it. she means like she means like a skyscraper a block away. You can you can magnet a car. <laughs> That's the property that magnets have. Yes. <laughs> and the streetlights are not affected by the magnets no. until you need them to be. Until you yes. need all of right. the electrical wires to be magnetized conveniently mm-hmm. for the plot of your film to stop the bad cars. Like it's like, just, mind control. It's, it's yeah. it seems very plausible to me. You're just on board the whole time. Oh yes, I get that it sounds stupid, and like you know, our listeners might be thinking, "Why? Why do they love this movie?" And my answer is, if you if you don't understand these movies and you don't love those movies, but like if you're listening to to our show, then in all likelihood, you think the coolest thing that ever happened is a movie about a space alien who destroyed half the universe with his magic fucking glove, okay? Because that's because because we talked about that movie. We had a whole episode about that. Or actually, we had two whole episodes about Purple Guy destroys the universe with magic glove and you bought it. So, like, buy into the Fast and Furious, okay? <laughs> it works. <laughs> it's just a question, though. Is like, why... Like, why are certain ridiculous movies credible and other, well, I say credible in air quotes. That's an interesting question of, like, why do we, yeah, why do we find, you know, the Marvel Universe acceptable versus people turn up their noses, which you shouldn't. I think uh, the Fast and Furious were, like, is it because it's, like, I wonder if it's just because Marvel and comic books, I mean, because originally comic books were not, were considered, like, goofy children's stories by a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, these, yeah, these, and I think, I think that's part of it. I think people are willing to give extra you're willing to say Thanos has the magic powers for some reason because like oh he's it, it, ma- magic Thanos powers he's got a magic glove and people want to believe like they want to look at the Fast and Furious movies and say these are these are car these they you know this this is a this world is reality so wh- why can they do this stupid stuff and I'm like it's not reality the world was never I mean the world was kind of reality in Fast and Furious 1 reality in- the Grand Theft Auto is reality which is to say it yeah. pulls from the real world and then adds a bunch of fun stuff because we like joy people in Fast and Furious 2 like the exciting thing it, it, it's a, we're already leaving reality behind uh, in Fast and Furious 2 um, Brian um, Paul Walker's 
character drives for you know, drives for three blocks at 90 miles an hour while looking to his left at um at the girl he likes to impress her and ignoring the road without hitting anything without you know just it's it's a it's a trick that he's practiced how i don't know it doesn't matter because it just was supposed to be cool <laughs> it is one of the coolest scenes i actually love that scene <laughs> um stories are fun sometimes without realism yeah it's it is it is a magical world it was always a magical world and i think that people people don't want to because it looks like the real world in some ways I, people don't want to let it be something else but it's not i mean like other shows that we 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 like on this on this podcast we've talked extensively about the good place the good place is not reality it's just the show that we like you know i riverdale is the best show on television it's ridiculous you know like nothing nothing matters and there and the fast and furious world is ridiculous and you have to buy in and once you buy in to the lack of physics plus the fact that there is a serious drama going on inside of an absolute farcical world because monica you said at the very beginning vin diesel is the only one who doesn't know that this is a comedy right like everybody else is aware helen mirren is in this movie clearly because she's like oh my god i'm gonna go and have a ball and she and and she's sharing scenes with vin diesel and helen mirren knows that she's in a comedy and i don't know if vin knows if or knows or not but at least when he's with helen mirren he seems so happy and it's just they're delightful <laughs> together i've never seen i've never seen people yes, two people with 30 years smile. age difference. yeah well, they've got such like, chemistry they, together well also it's like Think about it this way. It's like Vin Diesel basically got every kid's dream job. Yeah. Like, who, of course Helen Mirren wanted to be in this movie. Who wouldn't want to be in this movie? Yeah, it is great. ridiculous. It's like, it's like every kid who played Nerf fights as a, like, wanted to grow up to do this. Mm-hmm. I do kind of wonder with the prestige thing. I wonder if it also has to do, though, with other... I would, like, I'd be curious to know of, like, the audience that is 100% there for Fast and Furious, what other kinds of media they consume, because I wonder if there's a consistency yeah. between, like, cool, we buy the Marvel Universe. And I was actually thinking of, like, a lot of the ridiculous physics and stuff remind me a lot of anime. Mm-hmm. And like I said, also video games. Like, I would be willing to bet, because there's a lot of video games, like, like video games that are based in realistic worlds. G- uh, Grand Theft Auto is probably the closest, like, corollary and I imagine there is actually a lot of cross-pollination there. I don't know mm-hmm. for a fact, but uh, I would believe it. But there's like, I, I don't play G- uh, Grand Theft Auto, but I do, my brother does. And mm-hmm. it's just sort of like, oh, I'm driving a blimp now. Oh, I'm driving a boat now. Like, literally, I, I was watching oh, him Tyrese play. could totally drive a blimp. Yeah, Ty- Tyrese right, could was, totally drive a blimp. <laughs> he can drive crazy. anything. <laughs> there's a, there's a, like, there are, like, sure, like, the, the whole, like, like, street racing, whatever, whatever. Uh, and interesting that my brother and a lot of his friends are, they're not street racers because that's illegal. But they do, <laughs> they, they do race, they, they, but they're all ra- racers and they build their own cars. And oddly, I, I, like, there isn't, it's not realism in the sense that, Obviously, the physics of Fast and Furious are bonkers, but when I have hung out at car shows, especially in sort of like like uh, drift cars, Japanese imports, all this other stuff. It's like similar in uh, many ways to some of the cars that are in Fast and Furious, although nowhere near the sort of like expense, mm-hmm. usually. There's a kind of... 
I, I see some consistency in that sort of like joy of sort of like we built a thing and look how fast it can go. And oh my God, there's, we took out the trunk. So there's a cooler in it. So you can <laughs> pop a beer out of it. And like, not to say that racing culture is actually like the same unmitigated joy as Fast and Furious, but I like, I kind of see it. Like, I, I think if you are a car enthusiast, there is probably a little bit of Fast and Furious in you. And I'm sure somewhere my, my brother's ears are burning and he's probably about to kill me because I actually don't know that he likes these movies. Um, well, I, I imagine there's probably a lot. And again, I'm not I'm I mean, I own a car. I like cars, um, but I'm not a car guy. And I imagine there are with any with anything like this, there are going to be people who are super into cars and they're going to hate this movie because of the lack of realism. Um, oh, absolutely. So, so the cars are bonkers and a right. lot of the cars themselves, especially in the early ones. I remember the car people in my life basically being like, that's a shit car. That's actually a shit car. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, but even then, have the opportunity to nerd out about like your car knowledge, which I clearly have very little of, only by proxy. Um, well, I'm going to make fun of Steph on this on this episode because you know, Steph's been on the show before, and I've I've told this story before. Um, my wife hates the movie Inside Out, the delightful Pixar movie Inside Out. She hates because as a psychologist, she finds it invalid, and it you know, it, and it really its scientific inaccuracy bothers her because it, it's a delightful children's movie, and she and she wanted it to be accurate when we went when we went and saw it, and she was mad. <laughs> And I, so I imagine there are car people who feel that way. But for the rest of us, yeah, the rest of us are like inside out. You know, there, it was it was beautiful. And I think that for me, Fast and Furious fits that. It's like, yes, I get that. I get that cars don't work that way. I get that physics don't work that way. No matter, even if you have ludicrous say, no, no, this will work because I've done the math and physics. Like that's a line in this movie. Um, he, he justifies everything by just saying the word physics. I did like physics that. once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, he's supposed to be a scientist in this movie, so he goes, "No, I did the physics. It's fine." And, it's and, fine. And, <laughs> physics. It's fine. Uh, well, it, I, I would imagine a lot of it. I think it's like it's it's more. The more you know about the subject, a subject, the more difficult it is to participate in sort of willful suspension of belief, right. and you have to engage in that to 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 enjoy Inside Out, to enjoy Fast and Furious, to enjoy do I really any kind of like magical realism? Yeah, any kind of magical realism or specta- like any kind of spectacular kinds of fiction mm-hmm. because and, and, like I I think I mean it's professional I, wrestling in real in real life more. most in real life um, most actual street fights like if you actually if you've ever actually been in a fight um, I've taken I've taken martial arts right and when you're taking martial arts when you're playing when you're tr- when you're planning to fight somebody fights generally last oh 10 to 30 seconds or they last forever because people are running from each other trying to not like it but like the kinds of things where you see an action movie or a professional wrestling match where it's like five solid minutes of guys flipping all over the place and like, you know, punching each other and dodging that that's not how fighting really works. It, it's not how it works in you know anything you see in a martial arts movie or in a professional wrestling ring. That's that, that's the spectacle of entertainment. That's trying to do impossible stunts so that you can enjoy the idea of a fight. But real fights don't work that way. And I think that that's how we do spectacle with everything. Um, you know, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the thing is, you know, like we're e- each of us is experts in something. Right. Um, if I'm watching a movie and they say they 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 talk, they have a guy who's supposed to be a comic book guy on. And he talks about Batman's first appearance in Detective Comics number one. Anybody who's a fan of comics right now just cringe to even hear me say that because Batman doesn't first appear in Detective Comics number one. It's number 27. Everybody knows that. <laughs> and those things bother you because you know too much. So knowledge steals joy is what you're telling me. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's even this is a very big tangent, but I think there's I, but I, actually I do wonder if this is related to kind of like the highbrow, lowbrow thing with Fast and Furious is because like academics talk a lot of times 
kind of specifically people who work in literature or pop culture talk about a lot about how academia can ruin reading for you. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and you basically have to train your brain to shut off in order to enjoy media without being like hypercritical and like ooh, analytical, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there is there is a certain amount of like entertainment and sometimes you enjoy in the analysis, but you don't read I think a lot of us struggle to read the same way we used to before we became academics, which I think is also true of just, you know, being an adult at a certain point. But uh, because adults don't believe in joy, which is why we all want to be Peter Pan. But I wonder how much of that is also like so fast and furious. Okay, like there's the car thing and the, the, the subject matter expertise. But how much of it is also like we've become much more savvy consumers of television and movies? Because like when I think about like the average serialized television show now versus, you know, the early 2000s thousands like the late 90s it's a very different world Mm -hmm. i mean i think fast and furious is in its own little world right if you want to compare to anything i think probably our our listeners might be upset but the things that you can compare fast and furious to are basically um limited to marvel cinematic universe uh star wars and i guess maybe james bond like (laughs) like nothing else nothing else has that kind of definitely put it in the category of james bond especially when we're talking like Mm -hmm. fast cars gadgets explosions like yeah no i just meant number of i I meant like entries in this continuous world yeah it's like you don't really have franchise like a franchise for most movies is like you know like you think about the i mean the harry potter world is special but those were planned that way from the beginning most franchises are like hey you know there are three movies in the you know there are like uh, three or four robocop movies right (laughs) like that's it you know it's not a lot you know ghostbusters there's ghostbusters one and two and a reboot and now we're about to make another reboot like if you don't really have an ongoing saga of an ongoing saga of character development because they do the characters do develop in very much in a dungeons and dragons we're leveling up kind of way you know yeah i definitely see like once i found because i didn't know when i saw the original like the first couple of fast and furious ones that first couple movies that uh vin diesel was a giant D &D nerd and after having learned that i was like i see it because even the things about like the physics don't always work well, well that right. Guess what? If you roll a 20, you crit, you succeed on whatever you wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> like this all of Fast and Furious is just critical roll after critical roll after critical roll. It's great. Which is also why, like, I think if you are a D&D player or you play any kind of game where that's a familiar experience to you, like, oh my god, when you crit. And you basically get to tell the, the the game manager, like, this is what's about to happen. And it doesn't matter how ridiculous it is. Mm-hmm. It happens. And there's a certain joy to that. Right. And and Dominic Toretto only rolls 20s. That's like his whole gimmick. Yeah. No, because <laughs> if you get to control the fictional universe, if you're a D&D nerd, of course you only roll 20s. <laughs> Oh, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I find I find the films delightful. I don't I I don't like people think I'm liking them ironically. I'm not like it's just the pure also, utter ironically. joy. Yeah. The joy of being there because, yes, Vin believes that he's making, you know, the greatest high art. He's telling, you know, this wonderful, spectacular, epic home of the rise and fall of Dominic Toretto. He like he believes that's what he's doing. And, and and he takes it extremely seriously and it is great. And what makes it great is let him do that. And everyone else around him is just having the time of their life. Um, the, the perfect person that I, 
for Fast and Furious is ludicrous. Ludicrous is in these movies after Monica. What's his first one? Is his first one number two? Number two. Yeah. Yes. Ludicrous in in Fast and Furious number one. There is a bit part for Ja Rule, the rapper Ja Rule. And when they made number two, they Vin Diesel's not in number two, but Paul Walker is. And the producers wanted Ja Rule back. And Ja Rule thought he was worth. They, I think they offered him half a million dollars, and Ja Rule thought he was worth more. So he tried to play hardball, and he's like, "I'm just going to not answer to their phone calls until they offer me more money." And they got tired of waiting so they just called ludicrous and essentially rewrote rewrote the part by changing the name and the character from one thing from one thing to another thing and they're like okay ludicrous is in these movies now and and i've seen luda do interviews where he's like and i want to thank ja rule for being a fucking idiot (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I get the wanting to be be paid with your worth but on the other hand it's like i i I can't imagine this is the kind of movie franchise you get in to get paid i mean i'm sure they're paid well but now now Luda's Luda's ridiculously wealthy now because when they when they made Fast and Furious 2, Fast and Furious 2 was a movie that no one was asking for. <laughs> like Fast and Furious 1 was kind of was kind of a success. Like, and I was like, okay, I guess we could do another one of these. And then they don't really start getting crazy until a little bit in four, but really five is the turnaround. Um, five is where really, you know, there are two worlds of Fast and Furious. There's one, two, three, and four, and then there's five through now, of which the where it just suddenly inexplicably becomes this D spy epic. Because before it's like a street race movie tokyo drifts about street racing um street racing and crime like fast and furious one is let's replace all the surfing and point break with car racing and we're just going to make the same movie <laughs> um and it, you know i they're fine i mean i, I like those early movies too but it, it really i i don't think ja rule knew what he was turning down <laughs> and luda's just happy i think anyone really did other than right. diesel <laughs> but but what's Which great is also- is, yeah but what's great okay. is luda, luda and luda Helen Mirren, all these people are in this film and they know it's ridiculous and they don't care. And the, the sheer delight when Lu, when you see Luda going, yeah, I did physics. I'm just, we're going to go to space. It's going to be fine. Like you can, <laughs> you can see the, you can see Luda, Chris, the person saying Taj's lines and just going, I know this is stupid, but this is going to be awesome. Just wait, we're going to drive to space. <laughs> like you can tell what's going on. The thing is, like, like they should get paid what they're, you know, paid what they're worth. But also like, if you're going to be in these movies, you're there because it's ridiculous. And in, mm-hmm. and in unmitigated joy right right just like watch i imagine be like being in these movies is just like a massive trip i'm very envious but uh before we run out of time i want to make a little bit of a pitch um it's gonna be just i want to change gears i want to because i've got theories about how like i said it's not ironic i think it's ridiculous and i enjoy the ridiculousness but um Katya, you even said, you know, a lot of the the classic literature that we look at, um, Hannah's not here, but Hannah would, would point at Dickens, right? Dickens was not high art when he was alive. He was like the popular writer that like... And it was like, uh, Melville. Like we see right. it. Uh, right. Also, I believe Gats, Great Gatsby is one of them. Like we see mm-hmm. there's it's constant dope. shifts because what tends to be highbrow like basically older forms of art tend to be considered highbrow as we move forward. Like, you know, for example, the idea of highbrow television when television mm-hmm. was first emerging would have been ridiculous. Now right. we have highbrow television. Right. We, um, and, and we look at, we look at, we look at, uh, I love Lucy as high art. Now it's slapstick yeah. in at, at the time. So yes. Well, because of, well, and it's like, well, and it's, it's not that it, and it's not high art because it's, we suddenly decided it's not slapstick. It's we recognize that slapstick is a valuable form of comedy yes. 
and it was done and I Love Lucy did it very well mm-hmm. and I think that's the, I think that's the, the case to be made for like okay like is Fast and Furious and a good movie franchise in the way that we normally judge movie franchises maybe not but it's not playing the same game in the right. same way Star Wars is not make playing the same game right. I would and, argue that we've been judging movies wrong I think for Fast and Furious I think it's invented its own rules and I think it will be high art because I do think it's got it's doing several things remarkably well which make it an innovative series that deserves academic cultural high art criticism and consideration I mean you made the comparison uh, sort of just based on longevity to James Bond earlier but I think if we look at the transition of like James Bond especially like the old films is really sort of making that transition towards high art like Mm -hmm. I I, and that's another one where I think it's just because it went on long enough like Mm -hmm. (laughs) that there is sort of like you're seeing that cultural cultural memory um Mm -hmm. it's it's now like it's it's imbuing it with like nostalgia but it's also like I I don't know some of it is just like those movies themselves are shifted like we're not quite at the point where like Pierce Brosnan James Bond is going to be regarded as high art like that's still somewhere in the Fast and Furious uh too recent yeah too many gadgets like Mm -hmm. but something about the original sean connery james bonds and and so i think you're right like but i think that the answer is we just have to keep making more like Mm -hmm. the more fast and furious movies we make the closer we're going to get to regarding them as high art yeah because there's i think 24 bond films i might be a little bit off there but there's a lot Sounds about right yeah um i think though fast and furious has the I think I think might go down better, have a better review in history, and I think this connects to what Matt's probably about to talk to is his race theory uh, and how that like in this in in the franchise because many of the early Bond films, from like an ethics perspective, representation of women of people of color, i.e., that, that that doesn't happen, did not age well, mm-hmm. um, and even some of the cinematic features did not age well, and. I, I'm not enough of a film buff to know to speak to that on Fast and Furious, but I think it's I think it's more than the Bond films going to sidestep some of the cultural problems. It's trying to, but, and that's and that's what yeah. I want to talk about right now. Because for me, the most innovative thing of this of of Fast and Furious is at the center of Fast and Furious, you have Dominic Toretto as your your main character, played by Vin Diesel, a man who is of ambiguous cultural heritage. For for the listeners who don't know, who are not Vin fans. Vin knows his I mean, he, he, his mother is around. He knows his mother is white. Um, he knows his stepfather is a black man. His mother later married a black man and he's never met his father and his mother has not seen him, has not seen him since like, I guess she was pregnant. Like it was a relationship that didn't work out. So he was raised by until she remarried. He was raised by a single mother. And from what from what she tells Vin, his father was probably a, a black guy. Right. Like she doesn't know. She doesn't know much about him. I don't know how much of I don't know how much he really knows. But he's just like, yeah, I don't really know what my past is. I assume I'm a man, I'm a man of color, which is an odd. Like, But like when you hear him tell it, I don't blame him. It's an odd way to feel. But it puts him in a weird cultural space. Like he really does not know other than to look at himself in the mirror and recognize his features and say, I don't think I'm entirely white. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 I think that's a, I think that's that's a complicated way for Vin Diesel, the person to grow up. But he did grow up that way. And because his stepfather, who you know basically raised him, is black, he's got a lot of black heritage and he's put himself into a film where he cast 
Jordana Brewster, a woman who is half white and half Brazilian as his sister. So he is probably half white, half black. Jordana Brewster is half white, half Brazilian. Um, so they are an ethnically ambiguous family to start with. And then this most recent movie, let's just cast the entirely white John Cena as a third sibling and let's not address it at all. Charlie's Theron's character makes an offhanded comment, which is like, yeah, I see the family resemblance. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> she also says you look a little it's bit spiritual. different than everyone else. Yeah, because she's like, you look a little chin. different because you, you've got a stronger chin. It's like, it makes no, I mean, and she's making a spiritual family connection. It's yeah, fine. but. But she's but she's like literally making the joke that like, yeah, you've got a stronger chin than your brother. But I see the family resemblance. Clearly, they look nothing alike, you know, uh, but like it is he wants to tell this story where he can have he can have this found family where, you know, I, I, where race doesn't matter to be in the family, but race is acknowledged as um, as important. So they're not post-racial. It's not like I don't see color. No, they don't do that. They absolutely see color. And they accept each other who, 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 for who, you know, his character marries um, a Latina woman and he's got a best friend who's white. He's got, you know, two other best friends who are black and that and they are the most multicultural family and their family because they've decided they are and they love each other. And it's constantly like these are this is a weird version of masculinity. It's a masculinity that prides itself on talking about how much you love your uh, your your uh, you love your family and your friends. It is it is so progressive. Oh, yeah, it's not something we see a lot. Weirdly stupid movie. <laughs> and especially like at, outside of film and television, I think that there's a growing like there's an expression of a growing desire for that. I think especially among mm-hmm. guys who basically like great toxic masculinity, not fun. What a different thing. And I think this is like, Fast and Furious is a great, I, like, even as, uh, you know, a straight white lady, as a, I remember watching these and they were so much fun because it's like, here's a way to do like stereotypically masculine media ridiculousness mm-hmm. without it being gross. Yeah, he's a meathead. He is. And, and Vin knows that he's like Vin. Vin is I'm not going to say he's the finest actor in the world, but Vin's played other characters like the character he plays in Triple X, which you look at on the surface looks like the exact same movie um xander cage is a very different person than than dominic Coretto. and then riddick is a is a very different person he can he can play other characters he has made the conscious choice to make dominic Toretto be a classic you know alpha male meathead except that he is endearing and loving and and cares about family and is not afraid to tell men that he loves them constantly says it constantly in the films i love you guys you know i'm you're my you know i don't have friends i have family you know like <laughs> That's a, that's a line that he uses. It's nice. It's nice. It, it is. It is so precious, and and I and I love like everything about it is so progressive. I love the fact that he that he decided for whatever reason he's like I want John Cena in this movie. I'm gonna cast him as my brother. Look, just deal with it. It's fine. Like don't like. And and it's the kind of thing that you know. It's like when you're making a high school play, right? Like you're making a high school play, and sometimes you cast people. You're like you're you know, you you just cast whoever and. You know, okay, sure. A brother and a sister are white and black, uh, whatever. It's a high school play. That's about the logic that he uses when he's casting Fast and Furious because he wants to tell the story he wants to tell. Helen Mirren is in Helen Mirren's um, children in this in the Fast and Furious. She's got three kids, two sons and a daughter. 
and the actors who portray them range from like mid 50s to like 20 something and she's a woman like no, like genetically there's no way she could have given birth to all of the kids that like are her kids in these movies doesn't matter doesn't care because it's not about that it's just about, it's about the having Helen Mirren and hanging out yes. with Helen Mirren <laughs> yeah, yeah it's fine <laughs> it's like it's casting it's about who the person being cast is and yes. then fitting them into the role which is like it may not be the way to make every movie but it's nice especially it's like yeah it's like I, especially what you were saying Matt it's a movie that acknowledges race but it isn't like mm-hmm. so it isn't post-racial in the shitty way no. but it's also not making a huge deal of like nope we're just gonna this is just how it is they're gonna sit around and have a barbecue and they're gonna like it's it, it, it so much buys into their last name's Toretto which I guess are, like like when you when you when you when you watch it and you're like are they supposed to be Italian or Mexican I'm not quite clear or black and like and like they're clearly supposed to be a very ethnic family like there's a lot of you know this is all about family. We're going to play. We're going to like have mom's recipe for, for barbecue chicken. And we're going to think, sit around and drink Corona. This happens a lot. And it's never acknowledged other than the fact that acknowledging that all the cultures are important. And, and then you have like the big car. They didn't have, they didn't have a race wars in this, in this issue. Well, they did, but only in the past, right? They go to these massive you know, street racing events, which they call race wars, which is clearly not an accident, but it's not like race wars is a happy event where everybody just comes and like races cars. It's a race war, you see. <laughs> but you're also right that especially in the earlier films, race wars were very literal in that you yeah. have a white guy and a black guy and an Asian girl, uh, you right. know, and, and each one comes with their own like very equivalent of like a high school click. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the Asian girl's got to drive an Asian car, and the, you know, the, the the black guy's got like a souped up, um, like a souped up classic car, and the white guy's got a souped up, you know, modern Mustang or something. Yeah. So I love the the magical progressivism that I think that um to talk to your thing about whether or not we are you know how high art's going to work. I think when someone digs up the Fast and Furious movies a hundred, two hundred years from now, and they're looking at them, this is. It, is it realistic? No, but it is such a weird reflection of of the aspirational world that Vin Diesel wants the world to be the the twenty first the early twenty first century to be from you know two thousand through tw- through twenty twenty. And I love it for what it is. I like. I think he is addressing so many. Th- and again, maybe not in the you know he's never going to win the Oscar. He's going to try. He submits all these films for Oscar consideration because he so believes. Because again, he believes in these movies. Hey, now, but. <laughs> I I mean, I, I mentioned this sort of off recording, but um, this is the headlining on the beach yes. blockbuster <laughs> premiere film at Cannes this year. Four so premieres that. in Europe, and if that's not cinema, I don't know what the fuck is. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's so great. I love that. I love that it's headlining Cannes because why wouldn't it? I mean, well, I, and it, yeah, I know there aren't that many options. But like, like I said, I said in the, in the call James for Bond. comments, they didn't. They yeah. picked Fast Nine. <laughs> and, and, and I said in the call, in the call for comments, I love that they were, you know, like Chris Nolan, who fought tooth and nail to get Tenet in theaters last year, and nobody went to see it. I still haven't watched Tenet. I want to. I own a copy. I've got the Blu-ray sitting on my coffee table, and I bought it because I'm like, I, you know, I like Chris Nolan films, and I'm like, oh, I will watch this eventually. And I've had a year, and I've just not actually bothered to pull it, pull it out the shrink wrap yet. I'll, I'll get to it, you know. <laughs> Um, but Vin Diesel was willing to wait. He said, no, 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 this movie, like he, and I remember this movie needs 
needs to be seen in theaters. I can't release Fast 9 direct to streaming. You know, this is a yeah, very important it's film. Experience, <laughs> yeah. So so he waited. He <laughs> believed in this project. And like, that's so much a part of it. Everything about this works because of the sincerity. It is the most sincere movie ever. Like when people complain about the um about the parts that, you know, make no sense with Dom, like being like drama like everything dom does he delivers this with such like not just enthusiasm enthusiasm sincerity you know vin diesel believes in this script like when 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 when, um in fast six i think it is where he gets into a street fight with um jason statham's character um shaw deckard shaw and he says an actual line of dialogue (laughs) possibly my favorite line of dialogue from the entire fast saga is the problem with the street fight street always wins and then he stomps his foot and causes an earthquake <laughs> <laughs> that destroys no. a parking garage because he, of course, he does. I don't want to ruin the uh, joy of the Godzilla esque earthquake uh, stomping, but I, I want to go back to something you were talking about yeah. with the racial stuff to bring it back to the, the serious moment. Mm-hmm. Is I think actually the the fact that there, that he's able to have this more progressive vision of race in these movies and the like speculative bonkers weirdness of them go go together mm-hmm. because so there's different ways to write like science fiction and speculative fiction but the idea of using a fantastic genre to reimagine something like race relations is like part of you know a lot of a lot of those tradi- traditions of magic realism as well as afrofuturist writing all kinds of stuff so weirdly the f- like there's an argument to be made that the fact that this is a bonkers world makes it easier to basically do the like do something like hey mm-hmm. we have a family that is maybe related by blood we're not sure <laughs> that is of infinite racial makeup that may or may not make sense and we're just like yeah cool because this is a world that's already weird so we accept so we we just accept like yeah that's 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 fine and part of the value of like doing that through speculative literature is that by normalizing it in literature, you're helping normalize it in the real world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would also say it extends beyond race to gender as well. Um, and I think I think what's really remarkable about Fast and Furious is the character of Letty, because w- again, Steph's not seen all of these, so she did not realize, and she hadn't seen any in a while. She asked me, she's like, um, "What is Mich- Michelle Rodriguez's character supposed to be?" And I was like, "What do you mean?" And she's like, "Well, is it is she another sister or what?" And I'm like, "No, they're supposed <laughs> to be married." And, and she, and she's like, really? They didn't seem like they had any chemistry together whatsoever. And what? And I see why she feel why she feels this way because they are supposed to be married. They never kiss in the film or anything like that. And a lot of their scenes are separate because um, they've got their own so- separate adventures going on during this during this movie. Um, she could tell they cared about each other. She could tell they were raising a child together. But she assumed they were supposed to be siblings. And one of the things that makes this happen is in a movie where uh, you know full of beautiful people, right? Like there are lots of very attractive women and men in this and um, Vin could have cast his wife as any number of bikini clad supermodels they're all over the film but no he cast Michelle Rodriguez who very intentionally plays this character as the butchest lesbian that you've ever seen (laughs) 
<laughs> but she is but like and I and I get what like she is supposed to be in love with Dom. Letty and, and, and Dom are in love and they have they're both super masculine. And I love that that works. I mean, it, I get why like I get why you don't recognize it. Like I think Steph doesn't recognize it because you'd expect for one of them to be ultra femme. Like if you see Dominic Toretto, clearly he's going to be with, you know, a girly girl with massive boobs who, you know, who, who's blonde and, you know, and, he's had, and yeah, and he's had that. He's had those options in these films, but he decided, you know, he clearly made the decision to write himself in love with with Letty, you know, this super butch woman who is strong and confident and not girly at all. And he's allowed, you know, he's allowed Michelle Rodriguez. So I keep saying allowed I want, for people who don't know, then also produces these films. You know, he's not just the star. He is he is the he's main the major most producer. Involved. Yeah. Yes. And so he's oh, allowed, this is his this is his vision. And his vision is no, a strong man like Dom would be in love with a strong woman like Letty is that's the way he sees it. And that's she does interesting to me. Save him, like within this narrative when he pulls down the entire cave on himself <laughs> and, and, and falls into this uh, never-ending body of water in which we assume he will die. It's Letty who supposedly has the strength to pull (laughs) Vin Diesel's gigantic body out of the water. And like, yeah. there's there's still like a lot happening there. After, like, after clearly diving to because because he, he falls a good hundred feet into yeah. the into the pit, and then she was a good she's 50 stronger than Vin Diesel above is. that. So she dove 150 feet through a cavern that was falling apart to swim. I don't know. It makes yeah. She's clearly a she is a superstar. <laughs> I dig it. And, yeah, and like and and also like even even at the beginning of the film, the the film starts with them trying to you know it's very much a they're out of the life they're out of the life and they're they're just going to raise this baby this toddler and then um you know people need people need them for one last mission they come to get them and and vin's like no we're parents now and letty's like nah bye i'm i you know i'm gonna go be a superhero (laughs) yeah i'm gonna go be a superhero sorry uh you know hopefully if i live i'll see you when 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 i'm done and then vin decides to go you know to go as well um (laughs) but but like i i love how how tough she is um the we talked about the falling on cars superpower where like as long as you land on a car you're fine um that first started happening in in five or six and um now and it was really it was very much a dom superpower letty just has that superpower letty crashes a bike flies through the air 50 feet lands on the hood of vin diesel's car and it's you know 100 percent fine like thanks for putting your car in the way so that to break my fall it is essentially what she does and she's like and he's like come on get in the car and then she does like it's it makes you know so she's got action hero superpowers that are easily on par with this and i love that about these films i mean despite the fact that everyone is sort of in a heterosexual relationship like the ideas of of chosen family like also make this a very queer film and the idea that we would have these representations of femininity and masculinity that aren't necessarily what we would expect given what we think we know about Vin Diesel like also make these potentially like have very queer readings as well I gotta believe bisexuality is coming there's supposed to be two more movies and like he's gonna have to explicitly make some 
but well, there's two more in the main saga. It's supposed to end at 11, but you know, they can always change their mind. They, we just had nine. It's supposed to end in 11. We already have one spinoff saga. We know that there are at least two other spinoff sagas um, planned. So who knows how many there are really going to be, but like, I got to imagine at least in the main saga. Toddler has to have superpowers. What? Toddler has to have superpowers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I mean, I I assume they're going to go on forever. I hope they do, but like it is, it is odd. The the heterosexualness of it, uh, it does seem to be an obvious thing. Like you don't even have a lot of, um, a a lot of like lesbianism for show, which you'd think that, which he's not against because again, Triple X does this, right? There are, there's a lot of, in Triple X, there's a lot of we're going to have we're going to make it really clear that we just had a threesome, you know, so, you know, for the gays, you know, we want people to see this right in the and that in the doesn't third happen film, here. there is because I specifically remember being like, oh, that's them like trying to step it up because now the girls are making out for show. Oh, and I don't even remember that never happens again <laughs> after that. I yeah, I don't even remember that. Happens, you know, because there's always those very like uh, exploitative, like, uh, you know, when you go into the race battle, like the camera is absolutely at Buttline. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely introducing you to the cars Mm -hmm. at Buttline. And Mm -hmm. but you sort of like you get less and less of that over time to the point where I feel like in Fast Nine, like there is a scene where he arrives at the the John Cena mansion with Helen Mirren, and there's just this white party full of Mm -hmm. uh, women happening. And it's almost played as if it is like an undesirable place to be because it's the villain mansion or like it's a joke in like you don't actually want to be around all of these women anymore that feels like yeah. an active rejection of he's a family guy now he's scary right. yeah. he's a family man that's not, a fa- that's not the behavior of a family man yeah 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 he's in in and it's and it's weird it, it, it is a weird rejection that like i gotta imagine i mean there were there were flirty moments between jordana brewster and michelle rodriguez that were you know but like you could also play them as as siblingness you know she's you know they're supposed to be sister-in-laws now she's like you know it's not about dom you will always be my sister but like there's a there's a touching love there in the same way that in the exact same way as the loving relationship, the very clear loving relationship that Paul Walker's character and Vin Diesel had a lot of I love you, man, uh, moments throughout. And then you see the same thing. I mean, if it's me, I just eventually decide that Ramsey, Taj and Roman, you know, Ludacris and and um, and and um, uh, Tyrese's characters are in a relationship like I, I, I imagine they're going to become a throuple sooner or later because I don't I don't know. Well, because like, that's it, the problem it, with like all of the, the heterosexual pairings is you don't have enough ladies. So like, right. You just got to group well, the rest of them together. <laughs> well, like I like it really feels like me when watching it that that um that Taj and, and Ramsey are supposed to be a couple but the, the film wants to keep reminding me that that um, Roman likes her too and that she hasn't chosen even though there's no reason why she would choose Roman like it doesn't make sense for her she's got way more in common like Taj and Ramsey's favorite hobby is making fun of Roman like that's what they do that's what they bond over is like making making Tyrese look like an idiot so but like it wants me to believe that there's love there so I think there's just as much love with Luda as there is you know don't you think I I buy it based on because they purposely put it in a place where they are never touching they are never kissing they are never revealing feelings yet despite clearly writing things for the three of them that like Mm -hmm. just ooze with like weird sexual tension 
But they've also made the conscious decision that there will not be. I mean, I guess there's not a lot of making out in general by anyone. No, not anymore. There, I mean, yeah. in the early films, but not. But in the later films, it you know, it's all about family. <laughs> They're family films. Can't kiss family. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, it is. a. Uh, I. I just. We've resolved nothing, right? <laughs> we've, we've resolved. <laughs> other than people who don't like Fast and Furious, just don't like Joy. I, I do think I, I don't know. I want our listeners to give the films a chance. And it is it is weird. This 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 is um we should make this clear. We said um that there is an old film and a new film. There is a very definite split. Um and we should probably explain this so if people can get into it. So the first film is really a crime heist movie. Mm-hmm. The second film is a sequel to a crime heist movie. Um the more the more times I watch all of them, and I wonder if you agree, Monica, I, I start realizing the second film is pointless in every I mean it's a cash grab right like there's no there, there's no reason for the second film other than Ludicrous. you know um, well yeah Luda's in it it's, it's the first one with Luda it's the, uh, it's the first um, one with Tyrese. Tyrese yeah the first movie ends with Brian uh, Paul Walker's character leaving the gang and going back to the cops and then the second movie starts with that didn't work out he's a criminal again <laughs> like, that, like it's literally yes. undoing the ending of it and then beyond that the third movie is an entirely new cast who are most bit players except for Han and then the fourth movie is when you get the gang back together um, Letty dies fifth movie spoiler. Letty's not in huh? I said spoiler yeah whatever <laughs> spoilers for everything but, but really really the fifth the fifth movie is where you call in the rock for the first time and then they they start to get good they become spy movies in the fifth movie like very much so the like they're all heist movies until the fifth movie when now they're now they're spy movies and just deal with it and so that that's where that where this break is. So I think they're all worth watching. But if you don't want to devote all that time to it, um, five is where you start, I think. But I will say that you have to watch five and six and then go back and watch three. Yeah, because it makes sense. Uh, well, three is a very different movie if you watch it where it chronologically happens other than when where it was actually filmed. <laughs> um, it's still it doesn't totally match up. You know, there are a lot of there's there's a lot of hand waving you have to make, but it really is. It's about the magical realism of it, and it really, it really gets ranked up. I think they're worth watching. I think it is a, I think it's a franchise worth investing in, and I think it's doing a lot of serious work that I don't think it gets credit for. Um, and and I don't know how else to do that other than to put it, put it on the genius hands of Vin Diesel because he's the he's the tying thread that makes this all work. And you know, you can't take him out. Like you need oh, as overacting as it is, you, you need that heart. Absolutely can't because I don't know if you guys saw Hobbs and Shaw but Hobbs and Shaw is the result of the Vin Diesel the Rock feud in which they refuse to work together and so now the mm-hmm. Rocks has his own sort of spin off of the franchise mm-hmm. and it is and borderline unwatchable the Rocks family goofiness. owns a car shop and then no one <laughs> ever races or gets inside any of those cars and and it's you really just realize like the reason this isn't working is the mm-hmm. absence of Vin Diesel yeah you need his sincerity you need the earnestness you need the utter belief that we are telling a perfect story that vin diesel brings to this like he he is what makes it work (laughs) as as ridiculous as it might seem 
like that story, that human drama of Dom Toretto, you know, uh, a a stoic man in this ridiculous, physicless world is what makes the film work. Also, I totally encourage you, if you do not believe that you that Vin Diesel is necessary to these, go look up him playing D&D in Critical Role, and I think it will give you an entirely different perspective on why these movies... Because I... I'm actually kind of serious here because I think the first time I saw that, I was like, ah, this is where, because I don't like every Vin Diesel movie, but the ones where he's producer, I actually enjoy the more than I expect to. And I think it's just because he is, he is, like I said, he's a delightful little nerd. And like watching him play, especially because he does not look like he, he there is nothing about Vin Diesel that if you don't know who he, if, if you know nothing about him, there's nothing about the way he looks or sounds that would make you believe <laughs> that kid learned how to act by being a giant D D nerd as a child, but that's absolutely his background, yeah. and he is a very good D D player. But you also see him if you play, if you watch his his uh, him on Critical Role, like you will see where I think a lot of this comes from. Like he basically gets very into his character, and he's like, "I'm going to smash the bad things," and he starts doing this very visceral chuckle. Which I think most RPG players will get when it's sort of like I get to do ten d six of damage now, uh, <laughs> and it is you, like I've, I've had this experience, and I can't believe I'm saying this on a podcast in public. But no, it's like it's like you're, there's there's a physical response to that where it sounds really dumb, but like you're just like yes, this is it's it's the, it's the nerd joy. It just it pulls little giggles out of you, and I think and Vin Diesel understands that he understands he understands how much I think media, even stupid media, and perhaps especially stupid media can bring joy mm-hmm. and that it's also not just because it is joyous and weird and bonkers doesn't mean it's not substantive because that is also true of most RPG games I would also recommend if you've never seen it there's um, there's footage online where you can find of him in the sound booth uh, the recording booth recording Groot's lines for Guardians of the Galaxy where he <laughs> 100 yeah. the, the, the amount of dedication that, that Vin he Diesel has to saying just one line like he like so you'd think that they would just kind of record it once or twice and then just use the right one no 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 then sits there and records every possible emotion or Groot as an adult as a you know and for baby Groot like he goes through and he does them and he tries to you know what am I supposed to be feeling here what does he mean when he says I am Groot okay let me get this I have to get in character and he centers himself and he focuses <laughs> to give you the right I am Groot I love it and then, this is the and kind then, of labor that nerds want to see. Right. Oh, okay. Oh, right. But then, um, when they go and overdub the uh, overdub it into other languages, he goes and does the like they don't hire like a guy to do Italian and a guy to do Japanese and a guy to do Mandarin. Vin Diesel goes in Stop. and does I am Groot in the other languages. <laughs> <laughs> he does the entire process again. Oh, he's a delightful little nerd. Yes. Because... <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I, I approve. I appreciate you. I salute you. Sir, <laughs> I, no, I, I, he does. I mean, even if you don't like Fast and Furious or any of the Vin Diesel movies, he cares about what he does and he does it well, whether you like it or you don't. Yeah. <laughs> I also hope that we never reach a future in which Vin Diesel turns out to be a horrible trash human because I think I would have a nice <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We, well, but, but for now, he seems to be a great guy who, yeah. You know, again, it is. Uh, I get why people don't want to give it a shot. Give it a shot, and if you go and watch it, just just stop trying to make it make sense in a conventional way like when people are like well you know he's doing this different thing it's like yes that's the movie he is doing a different movie than everybody else embrace it and love it you know the same way we love Nicolas Cage you know Nicolas Cage does a thing 
Vin Diesel's doing a thing and let him do his thing and then enjoy it and enjoy the mastery. And 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 I mean, I was serious about like the progressiveness of it. I think so. I think the lessons yeah, behind right. Fast and I'm, Furious are so yeah. massively amazing. So anyway, I want to thank no longer a guest, Monica. Welcome aboard. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope you remain as excited as you are today. <laughs> uh, where can people find you? They can find me uh, on Instagram or Twitter at Monica Marvelous. Spelled different in the two different places. It's true. It's, it's annoying. Funny. Somebody else <laughs> took took the Marvelous with an S on Twitter, so it's uh, Marvelous with an X on Twitter. <laughs> X like X Men. Respect that and moderately terrified. I'm not going to advocate for us terrorizing this stranger on the internet. But if we we wanted to ask nicely on my behalf, you know, that'd be be really nice of you. Oh, that poor woman. (laughs) Katya, where can people find you? Uh, Technically, you can find me on Instagram at justthatnerdkid when I ever post again, which might be never. Every once in a while, I see something every once in a while still. I put some stuff in my stories. I'm just, just not feeling it. You know, I have I have feelings about Mark Zuckerberg and they're not positive and uh well you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, all the places, always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show all those same places at Vox Popcast, and you can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com where you can find out about what we're talking about next week. And the week after that, we've got some interesting ideas for shows coming up. Um, and so we would love to have your feedback. Uh subscribe to us there or on Twitter or Instagram, Facebook, leave us comments, let us know your thoughts on upcoming shows so that we can include them when we record. If you like the show, we certainly hope you do. Please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else to get podcasts from. And do us a favor, leave us a five-star review, especially on iTunes. That helps other people find the show by tweaking the algorithm, making us more popular, making us famous. You know, I don't know why you want us to be famous, but you do. Trust me, you do. It means it, it means that there will be more shows because we can devote more time to it. And also, it's about family. <laughs> and that's important somehow. Watch Fast and Furious and you'll learn that. Um, also, subscribe to us on YouTube. If you like and subscribe to us on YouTube, that also helps us out. You get to see this show with visuals and you get to see my other podcast, Gosh Golly Wow two podcasts for the price of one which is also free so please do that i would like to thank maximilian of thoughtform music for our epic theme song building ever so more epically and playing us out i'd like to thank you at home for listening and we'll see you next time bye